that people's house were burnt down because of the because of the gospel. So I know we have issues in our country, but we still ex- experience a freedom that many many people do not experience. And so I'm just excited about the blessings that God has given us, and we shouldn't take them for granted. Uh, we need to pray for those Christians around the world who are being brave enough to believe and stand for for the Lord, even though they're facing so many trials and tribulations. We'll talk more about freedom today because I think that's what what is on my heart, what's on the Lord's heart. We have a lot going on this week, and so please make sure you get a copy of the bulletin to see all the activities that are happening. This morning we're going to have communion service, and we will not have any evening service so we can spend time with our families, but we've got kids' camp coming up this week. We've got special speakers coming on the 6th with some missionaries, uh, the McDonald's, and so all sorts of good stuff going on. Don't forget, we're in the process of upgrading our digital uh, thing, so I got to stay at home and watch you guys on the digital, and that was pretty cool, but nobody was answering any of my texts, so the picture was sideways, and I'm like, the picture sideways, and I wrote a little picture, and then pastor said, where's Dr. K, and I wrote, I'm right here, you know, and so, you know, but it's good to do that, and I can see where when we get our new equipment and everything, things are going to be an improvement, and it's going to be a real ministry to people, so I want to encourage people to support that as we move forward. And we got a work day coming up on the 5th, so, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> so a lot of activities. I know we have people we want to pray for. Uh, we always have people on our prayer list. We have family and friends that need to know the Lord. So as we stand, I want to share some things from John's gospel and also a little bit of a commentary as I was studying this week. In John chapter 8, In verse 32, it says this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And then in verse 36, it says this, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And so today we celebrate the freedoms that we have in our country. But from the commentary that Oral Roberts made on this scripture, he says truth is more than an idea. It is found in the person of Jesus Christ, for he is the truth. And to know him as your Lord is to know freedom beyond anything the world could ever offer. What is freedom? In a word, freedom is the ability to answer God's call upon your life and to respond to him with your total being. Freedom is expanding your spirit by looking upon a problem to find its answer by looking at it through the eyes of Christ. Freedom is standing with Christ when you face the uncharted frontier, the unbuilt roads, the unbridged rivers, the unfinished goals, and saying with him, all things are possible to him that believes. And freedom is liberty in Christ, knowing that he lives in you and me, and that you live in him, for he is Lord of our lives forever and ever. Let's go to our Father this morning. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus to be your children, to be free from the law of sin and death, to be part of your kingdom and to be part of your family, Lord, and to have your spirit, Lord God. So, Father, now we pray for our country. We pray for those people around the world that believe in Jesus, that you would protect them and strengthen them, Lord. And, Father, we thank you for this freedom that we're rejoicing this morning. Father, we release healing and deliverance 
and freedom to the captives right now in Jesus' name for all who need a touch from you, for you know every need even before we ask. And so, Father, as we come with an open heart this morning to worship you and praise you, we thank you that the blessings of heaven will pour on us in such a way that we cannot contain them. We thank you for the presence of your spirit here this morning. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. For you alone are God, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to just keep on going from the, the presence that we felt last week. Just worship with us. Just, Lord, we invite your presence here, God. I pray that your spirit will minister us. Lord, just come into this place. When the glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When the glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. Just you. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. When your glory fills the room, nothing else is needed. Just you. Come on, sing it. When your glory
Are you free yet? Praise God. I don't want you to leave today if you're not free. If you're not free, there's freedom here at this altar this morning. For God is here to set you free through his son, Jesus Christ. We need to understand that freedom and not be burdened down by the things of life. But we need to be free. Praise God for that. We're going to ask our ushers if they come forward. If you could be as free as that little one, you'd be doing well. I'll tell you, she was praising God. Austin, would you pray over our offering this morning? This time we'll let our children go to Children's Church. God, as pastor comes, open your hearts to receive the word. I'm loaded. Okay, it's really loud. I'm going to talk so that we can set it for a second. Hey, everyone. 
good to see you all. Uh, I can't imagine this mic being that high after Tommy using it last week, y'all. He didn't even need a mic, did he? Great day. Uh, welcome to everyone that's following us uh, online. It's part of our online campus through that you're here today. Just excited about the day. Today we do want to take a moment and just recognize and say how much we uh, um, appreciate this day and this weekend, tomorrow being the day that we uh, pay our time and our remembrance towards those who in active service for our country established for us and has continued to hold for us the freedom that we enjoy and that we know as a country. Uh, those who have given their lives on fields um, and souls that don't belong to us to keep our soul and to keep our freedom uh, what it is today. And we do as um, those who are um, recipients of that acknowledge and say uh, thank you to all the families and all the people who lost loved ones through uh, serving our country. And uh, so we want to just say thank you and, th and, and recognize that and say how much we uh, value this freedom. Amen. So we know Christ brought to us and established for us a, a freedom. But we also recognize that men and women uh, who believed in the freedom of America and the message and the hope of America that, that began and was founded in the faith of America uh, brought about for us this continued freedom that we enjoy. So um, God bless the families of those who lost loved ones in service. Uh, we recognize that there are still many who are serving abroad, and we just pray over them, pray God's protection and provision for them. Amen. Um, also, uh, I just take a moment and a second just to mention that I, I do, uh, I am so honored to have uh, with me today uh, a couple that uh, I haven't seen since January the 2nd. Well, she had to step out, but uh, um, uh, Madison and uh, Miles are here, and we appreciate them coming to see us this weekend. <laughs> They got married, took off, and never even called us. <laughs> no, they did call. Actually, Miles calls Debbie pretty regular. And that's okay. That's a, hey, look, man, I got it. When you need something, you call me. When you want to talk, you call Mom. I get it. I've been that way. I understand. I love it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so we do, we do, uh, uh, we are excited there here. We got together with the whole family yesterday evening, a great time together, and uh, we went to Michael's house because we're still homeless. And um, <laughs> the scheduled date, uh, my, uh, do I? It, it is a nice camper we're standing, and we're still homeless. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, let me get to the camper. Don't do this for me right now, okay? Uh, every man in here has got a wife say, uh-huh, uh-huh, you get it. Uh, so, so, yeah, so we have been very honored to be able to stay in a camper for the last four to five weeks, but, uh, and our clothes was set for this past Friday, but we, we couldn't quite get there, and so uh, the, the, um, we agreed with the seller, and we set for next Friday, so I believe when I'm in the pulpit next Sunday, we're going to be owners in the Mount Olive area. We're going to have a home, so we're excited about that. <clears throat> Amen. They say you pause for dramatic effect. So, so I thought I'd just take a pause, let the drama flow in the place. 
I am excited about getting back in the pulpit today. How many of y'all enjoyed Tommy last week? Amen. Yeah. And listen, y'all missed the best part. He treated our worship team like they were in school in choir, buddy. He wore them out uh, that afternoon. But it was awesome because he, he really has such a heart for worship. And, uh, and so we appreciate Tommy coming. Actually, Miles uh, is a worship pastor and media pastor down in Ormond Beach. Him and Madison are there. They're actually on stage every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock because we watch them uh, lead worship. Uh, they both sing on the team, and so uh, Miles leads it. And so we uh, uh, will eventually tap into that resource and get all the information we can from Miles and Madison. And uh, he, he, he has offered to do anything he can for us. But uh, we're just glad that they got a weekend off. We weren't about to work them this weekend. So we're glad they got a weekend off and got to come. Um, I, I do want to get started back and, and, and get, get in the flow of a thought here. Um, and with that thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister about 30 minutes. We're going to have an altar call. We're going to pray for needs. And then following that, I'm going to have to ask everybody to get back in their position seats. We're going to serve communion this morning. Uh, we believe communion is a vital part of who we are and what we're supposed to practice as believers. We believe communion represents the body uh, and the blood of Jesus. It's the sacrifice that he provided for us so that we could know him and we could have a uh, relationship with the Father once again and the purity and the, the clarity in which God intended it from the garden uh, and in the creation of man. Uh, and so we do it because the scripture tells us, do it until I return again. As, as often as you do, they remember, remember, remember what I've done, remember I'm coming again. So this is a witness, a testimony that Jesus is coming back. We're going to testify about our belief that Jesus is not only at the right hand of the Father interceding for us now, and that he's made a way for us to experience the life that God has offered to us, but that he's coming back for us again. Amen. And we rejoice over that. We acknowledge that. And we'll share communion at the end. So I'm going to get right into it this morning. We've been uh, on these circles of relationships and Jesus uh, that we see in Scripture that Jesus shared with those who followed him, uh, starting with the crowds. We talk about the crowds. Uh, we talked about sort of what they were. They were just strictly, they were, they, were, they were spectators. They just wanted to see what was going on. Then we talked about the 5,000 and how the 5,000 are the people who are really just after getting their needs met. We talked about the 70 and how they actually made a transition. And there's people around us who sort of make that transition. They move from spectator to participant. So there's people who move into a role and a relationship with Christ where they start participating in what he's doing in ministry and life and experiencing him in life. Then we went on down, all the way down to the 12 uh, a couple of weeks ago. And on that 12, we talked about how they had moved into a place of relationship with him that was closer than any other. And and that relationship brought them into this, this um, uh, term and this belief that, there is, uh, that the 12 were disciples. They, they literally were trying to learn everything Jesus was teaching and instructing. Uh, and most people that are following Jesus today work to get to that point, to be a follower, that, using that term follower. Uh, they, they're not just a follower, they're, 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 they're a disciple, they're, they're, uh, they're one learning from him, they're, 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 they're being taught, they call him teacher, they, they acknowledge him as the one who brings to them a source of life and teaching and instruction, and who empowers them to go out and do ministry. We know the 70 experienced that and went and they did it, they were excited about the power, he said, hey, don't be excited about that, be excited about what? That your name's written in the book of life, Amen. 
So it's about the relationship. It's not about the power. It's about the relationship. With the relationship comes the power. But don't let the power take over and make, make you forget the relationship. Amen? And so the 12 had gotten to that place, and they were learning and following. But then we look a little bit closer, and we've gone from these outer circles all the way in. We've walked all the way into the circle. And if you've ever seen the life of a tree once it's cut, especially a pine, it has these rings in it, and the rings and rings and rings. And they can say that, that, that tells you the age and the growth of the tree. <coughs> in this case, I believe the circles tell that the, 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 the closeness to the center, because we're all after Jesus. Now, you may not understand that, but if you're here today, I'm telling you, you're here not because you want to hear me preach. You're here because you want to find Christ. You want to experience Christ. You want to know Christ. You want to understand who he is and what his will is for your life. So you're, you're working to get closer. My only role is, is to try to instruct you in that and to give you that information so that you can move from one circle to the next, closer and closer to the center, to, to the one. Because he is the one. He is the one, the scripture says. So we find these three. Today we're going to talk about the three. And I started the whole series with a couple of these disciples. And I, re I want to revisit that moment right quick with you. So we started the whole series talking about this mom. Unnamed in scripture, but the mom of James and John. Incredible woman. Incredible in that she wanted something for her boys just like every parent wants. We all want something for our kids. We all believe God has something for our children. And here she was in the beginning of the series, and, and we looked at how she had boldly asked Jesus for something. It's in Matthew 20, verses 21 and 22. I'm going to share it with you. It says, Jesus is here in this moment. James and John's moms walk up with James and John. They've already gotten to this point of relationship with him. They were comfortable in approaching him. And this mom was very comfortable in approaching him. She comes and here's what the scripture says. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. Now remember, Jesus challenged that request. If you, we read the next verse, we see that, that he didn't deny the request. He didn't say, hey, they're going to have to earn it. Hey, who are they? Hey, I know them. I don't think they can do the job. Hey, all he did was this. He simply asked James and John. He didn't even look at her in this moment. He made this statement. But Jesus answered by saying to them, I'm sure she's included in this, but it was directed towards James and John. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? And of course, their answer is, oh, yes, they replied. We are able. How many of y'all said something and, and, and right after you said it, you didn't realize where it was headed to? Come on. Yeah, yeah. We've all said stuff and agree. Oh, yeah. Uh, only about an hour later go, oh, no. Uh, here's the fact, James and John did become a part of the three. As a matter of fact, the three were Peter, James, and John. They actually had gotten the closest to Jesus of any people on earth, of any humans on earth. They had gotten that close in ministry, in experience, in life experience with him. 
And they were taken, I'm going to tell you about two places that they were taken that only one other person had been taken, that was Peter. They were taken to these two places, and these are the two places that you'll find yourself in if you're one of the three. If you get into this innermost circle, I mean, if you're in this innermost circle, you think about what a circle looks like with four people. It don't look like much of a circle, does it? It's a dot. Well, this was, this was, that's how close this was for them. He led them to the heights, and he led them to the depths. This group experienced two places that no other disciples, no other people on earth had experienced with Jesus, the heights and the depths. The heights were what? The heights were the Mount of Transfiguration. Matter of fact, if you read about the Mount of Transfiguration, it's one of the most heavenly yet mysterious experiences of Christ recorded in the Gospels. It's picture, I mean, the best picture we can give you is heaven touching earth. Heaven coming down, opening up on earth. I mean, the Mount of Transfiguration is a moment and a time where, and, and let me say this, it's crazy to me that in the scripture that we see those who are called into the closest place with Jesus find themselves struggling the most to focus on Jesus. Because if you read it, you see they're falling asleep just like they were at this other place that we're going to go to. It's always a struggle to stay focused. It's always a struggle to, 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 to see what you're meant to see, to focus on what you're meant to focus on. Jesus not only led them to the heights, which was the Mount of Transfiguration, <coughs> he also led them to the depths. What were the depths? The Garden of Gethsemane. Matter of fact, the most challenging human experience of Christ was the Garden of Gethsemane to this point. To this point, this, and, and it was the only place he ever brought others with him. He couldn't take others with him through the, through, the, through the persecution and through the crucifixion. It was his to carry. But in the garden, he invited them along. He invited the whole group, then he invited the three a little further with him. You remember that? And so, so this was where Christ agonized in prayer before his arrest. This, uh, he wrestled. So here's a thought about the garden, the, uh, uh, the, the depths. He wrestled with his own hum humanity here. It says, if it is possible. What was he saying? This is hard. He, this is difficult. This is bigger and more difficult than I thought it would be. May this cup be taken from me, Matthew 26, 39. He not only struggled with the emotion, not only was, this, this, there were this, was there this emotional struggle within himself, there was a physical struggle too, the physical suffering. It was in the garden, and where, where do you see it? It says, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So, so when we look at where Jesus took them, when he said to them, can you drink this cup? This is the cup Jesus warned them about, the heights and the depths. And this is where the cup of life was revealed to them. He took them there to show them the heights, to show them the glory of God, to show them the power of God, to show them the presence of God, to show them that there is something coming, to, to, to set them in a place where they could see there's something. You're going to go through this low spot, but there's something. You're going to go through this, difficult, this, this incredible experience, but there's something coming. 
Keep your eyes. When you're down here, keep your eyes up here. We discussed their mom's bold prayer in the beginning, asking Jesus to let their sons be as close to him as possible. And I, I'm sure, I'm sure they wanted to, they, I'm sure they wanted the power, I'm sure they wanted the prestige, the influence of, uh, of this place. What was the place? It was the circle. It was, what did she call it? To the left, to your left, the other to your, to, to your right, the other to your left. Get that right, correct. Uh, but, but, so I'm going to ask this question because I'm going to ask this. I, I sort of always ask this of myself all the time. Do you think they had any idea what it would cost them to be this close? I mean, do we think about, I mean, we say, oh, Jesus, I want to get so close to you. Barry sings about it and leads us in worship. We pray and ask God. That last song was so fitting for what we're going to do today. We're going to sing that again later. But, man, it's so fitting for what we understand about him and who he is that he's here. Ah, which I just, just want to be close to you. Just want to be close to you. I mean, let's face it. James and John hardly understood who Jesus was. I mean, they haven't been with him long. He'd been in his ministry. He's on the front side of his ministry at this time. I mean, they had an idea of what was going to go on. He's going to establish his kingdom. Hello. Right? I mean, at that point, they didn't know what his kingdom was going to be about. They just thought he was going to overthrow everything that was going to take over. Well, he, he's going to overthrow some stuff, but the takeover side was a little different than they had imagined. No, no way did they see him as a leader who would be betrayed, who would be tortured, who would be killed on a cross. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't have seen their own lives marked with 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 exhausting travels from one place to the other without food many times, without water, in, in moments of harsh persecution that they had experienced, times when, when <coughs> they were literally consumed by the contemplation of martyrdom. Is this, is this, is this the place that I will, I will die for Jesus? Because they were watching it happen. In real life. But they had been touched by Jesus. And let me tell you something. Once you've been touched by Jesus, as deeply as they had been touched, they understood that it, whatever the cost, whatever the cost, in his presence they had experienced something radically new, something radically different, something more, more powerful than they could have ever imagined. Sure, they, they wanted power and influence, but... Beyond that, they wanted, to, they wanted to be close to Jesus. At all costs, close to Jesus. Just as close as they could get to him because they had found something there that they had never experienced before. And in fact, you say amen. Man, hadn't you found something in Jesus that is life-changing? Something that has, has literally transformed you? Something that has made it where as you've experienced the heights when you're in those depths that you've got something to look at and go, man, I believe. I believe. <laughs> um, after asking, who do, you, who, who do you say I am in Luke 9, 20? After Jesus asked, he, he, he called them to this next level in their faith, to this next place, to this closer place. And, and Jesus, at that moment, after asking, who do men say that I am, who do you say that I am? And they answered, 
He said, okay, come with me. And he takes them. We see in the scripture in Luke 9, he, he takes them uh, in verse 28 into this next place, uh, this, this Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, so I'm going to read this verse. verse 28 through 31. If you got your Bible, follow along with me. After eight days later, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So again, I told you that the transformation here, this idea of the transformation was, was like nothing else in Scripture. I've been thinking about this. How can I give this to y'all? How can I express this to you? Thanks, sir. How can, it make us, how can I help us to see what actually took place, what actually happened in this moment right here? And what I see and what comes to my mind right here is the only thing that comes close in the Scripture now, I'm going to give you a sci-fi example in just a second. But the only thing that comes close in the Scripture was Moses went up on the mountain. Y'all remember this. And he had been in the presence of God. God covered him with his hand. He passed by him and he had received all of the Ten Commandments. And he comes back down and what do the people do? Whoa. Why did they back up? Because his face was aglow. He had been so charged by the presence of God that he glowed. <laughs> but now that was transformed. This one uses the word transfiguration. A little different. Um, the word used in the Greek suggests it was more than a, a reflection. It's a, it's a transfiguration. Transfigured. Trans. Change the figure, the form, change the way he looked. The, the, the definition of transfiguration is a complete change of form or appearance into a beautiful, a more beautiful spiritual state. So Jesus is transfigured before them. Here's my sci-fi example. Beam me up, Scotty. Come on, think about it. What would happen? They would start looking like lightning was running through their body, and you could see through them, and all of a sudden they were gone. But, but he, didn't just, he didn't disappear. That's the difference. He was The presence of God lit him up. He, something changed about him. His figure changed. And Verse 32 and 33 read this way. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. Whew. That's the part that gets me. It gets me. It seems like every powerful time, whether it's the heights or the depths, we get exhausted and fall asleep, don't we? Oh, Jesus, help us. I mean, this is an alert to us. This is a warning. Something may be facing happen when you were getting ready to go to sleep. I'm not telling you don't sleep. I'm just saying, hey, if you're doing something, if God's doing something, don't, don't, don't go AWOL on it. Don't go to sleep on it. Don't, don't give up on it. Don't. It goes on. I'm going to keep preaching. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with them. Verse 33, as Moses and Elijah were standing, starting to leave. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if they started doing the Scotty beam me up thing or what. But, but they were getting ready to leave. Something was about to happen. And it says, Peter, <laughs> this is great. I am so much Peter. Not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out. I I, listen, whenever I get nervous, I talk. 
I like to feel space. Now, I know I told y'all a while ago. I, I know I told y'all a while ago. I, they say si you use silence as a, for dramatic impact, you know, silence. But if silence stays too long, I'm going to start coming up with something to talk about. Yeah, come on. So, so all of a sudden, here they are. This is happening. They woke up. They see it happening. They realize heaven has come to earth. Peter goes, whoo, master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And as user, y'all know this guy, this is Peter. This is the person that you know who has this idea, blurts it out. And as soon as they say it, everyone stands around and goes, you know, sort of stares like, did they just say that? Because I'm sure James and John went, whoa. I mean, I mean, so Peter blurts this out. And to, hey, what's the issue here? Peter wants to freeze the moment in time. Peter wants to build an altar there and make it about that moment. Listen, I don't know what God's done in your life in the past, but that's the past. God wants to do something now. God wants to do something now. And I don't know what your future looks like, but God's in it, and you need to be looking for him in it. And don't sleep on that. Jesus wanted to prepare them for the challenges that were ahead. He was trying to get them ready, so he brought them into this moment to see this high event, to take them to the heights, to experience the transfiguration to see a more spiritual state that God had planned for them. And they were asleep during it. And then when they woke up, it all of a sudden got perverted. Peter wanted to stay on the mountain from now. Well, if they build shelters, what are they going to do? They're going to keep going back, keep going back, keep going back, make it a big deal, make it a big deal. Before long, it's no longer about a relationship, it's about a religion. And they got these little shelters, they start sitting around everywhere. Next thing you know, they're hanging from the mirrors on the dashboard. You listen to me, I'm just trying to help us understand how, how we find ourselves in the spots we find ourselves in. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you something about getting out of it, okay? Jesus saw this as an opportunity to prepare them for something powerful, which was what? It was Calvary. Calvary was coming. Calvary was coming. Jesus knew Calvary was coming. Uh, Moses and Elijah came and had a discussion with him, and they shared in this glorious moment in preparation for what was ahead. And, and Jesus gave them this insight. The three got this close. The three got so in, in the moment. And yet in the moment, we can let ourselves take over. Now stay focused on what God's trying to show us right here. Folks, we can't stay where we are and believe God's plan is for us to remain here. We can't stay where we are and believe God's plan is for us to remain right here. Just this. This is, this is all it's about. We can't think that doing, the king, doing kingdom work is just about yesterday. It's about tomorrow. It's about what he has planned. It's about what he's calling us to. It's about, it's about, it's about the plan that he has for where we are, but the desire that he has for us on where we're going, where he's taking us, where we're willing to follow him. Look, he gives us the heights in preparation for the depths. He gives us the moment of seeing the powerful spiritual move of God so that when we're in that low spot, we can say, you know what? I know in whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that the one I saw here is still God. <laughs> Listen, Mark 9, 5 through 8, Peter exclaimed, 
Rabbi, it's a one, it's one, I'm going to pull another verse for him because I want you to see this little clip, this little thought right here. Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say. For they were all terrified. I mean, if three of y'all all of a sudden start doing one of them beam me up Scotty moments, we all going to get scared. Let's just say that. It's going to shake us a little bit. I mean, it's going to, it's, woo, you know what I'm saying? So when the spirit falls on someone and God begins to move and bring transformation in them and transfigures them to a more beautiful spiritual state, it gets us all nervous. It gets the lost people around them nervous because they were convinced they couldn't be any different. They are convinced the ones who are lost, the ones who are out there, when one of them comes in and God touches them and transfigures them, changes them, they're new creation in Christ Jesus. And they go back out there. When they go back out there, they all go, whoa, you're getting a little strange. Because what are they doing? They're blurting out what Jesus is doing in their life. They're blurting out what God's done. They're blurting out the transfiguration that's happened in their spirit, in their soul. This is the best part. Verse 8, Mark 9. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, it may be verse 7, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. We all know those people who miss the point completely and focus on the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. We'll see what's happening in a week. We'll see what's happening in two weeks. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Instead of focusing on Jesus, Peter was more enamored with Moses and Elijah and he thought uh, and what he thought should happen. Next. So all I want to say to you this morning is this, a couple of things, and then we're going we're gonna to take a moment and have some prayer. Here's, here's the things I want you to hear. Some of you are in a cloud of God's making right now. Listen to me. Some of you are in a cloud of God's making. That's what happened here. Some of you are in a cloud that God has settled in and overshadowed you with. You're there because you focused on the wrong thing. You've got your, you, 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 it's, and I know it's hard to see beyond what you're going through, but you've got in your mind that you believe this, whatever this is, this should happen next, and God's, God's trying to get you to Listen only to Jesus. There's a lot of voices speaking. There's a lot of things happening. It's like you can't see beyond this thing, this moment, this experience. And God's come in and overshadowed and clouded it all up. And he's trying to speak to you. Verse 8, suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone. They saw only Jesus with them. It's amazing to me that Tommy came Sunday morning and preached Jesus and you. And how that at the end of the 
declaration that was being made by all those who wanted to stone this woman who had been caught in adultery. That at the end, whenever he raised up and looked around, everything else was gone. And she, he said, who condemns? No one, my Lord. Look, in your cloud, you need to come out of it saying, you know what? You're Lord. It doesn't matter what's going on. You're Lord. And I'm following you. I'm going to stay close at all costs. You're the one this whole thing's about, and I'm not going to quit making it about you. I'm not going to let anything else distract me, anything else cause me to think different or feel different. I mean, isn't this verse how it should be? Suddenly when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, they saw only Jesus with them. Isn't that what it should be? Shouldn't it be just for all of us that we walk out here and that the end experience is, man, Jesus was there. He was in this place. He is, it's, it's, aren't the best times, those times, when the cup of life that we're served becomes so clouded that all you can see is Jesus. And everything else is cleared away and all that's there is Jesus. So maybe God sent a cloud over you. Maybe you're in a cloud of God's making. Maybe it's there, maybe you're in it, maybe it's happening because he's trying to focus your life on him and the things he wants to do in you. Because I think that's why the cloud came. The cloud came to focus Peter, James, and John, to help them to see the purpose of that moment. Not that it was a a moment that was so high that they would worship it from the rest of that day on, but it was a moment where they could see and understand that God will not change. He is God. He will be there. He will be the answer, and Jesus is cutting a path for you. You better stay on it. There's a line we use in wedding covenants. You'll know it when I say it. A lot of people get uncomfortable with it. It's okay. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. You know what that's saying? That's from the scripture, by the way. In the heights and the depths, I'm committed to share this cup of life with you. That's what you're saying. When you're in that covenant relationship, what's happening is you're saying, when that line's used, God is calling for you to see that there's going to be some really high moments. There's going to be some really low moments. That's the cup of life that you commit to share. Till death do you part. That's why we use that line. It's, it's a thought and a process of thinking from Scripture. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 make this statement. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That sounds like a height, doesn't it? That sounds like a, that's the the height, that's the high place. But then he says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. 
But Lord, if you take me on the bottom, I'll take it. If you take me on the top, I'll take it. I don't care. I just want, I, I want to be with you. That verse is the prayer of one of the three. That verse is the testimony of those who get close enough that they're so close, like Peter, James, and John, at all costs, at all costs, whatever it costs, I'm staying right here, right here. Barry, will you come up? I want to say a couple things as he's walking up. You've got to see only Jesus to follow him this close. You've got to continually put him in front of everything else. Put him, see him as the reason. See him as your purpose. See him as your life. See him and his cup and realize that if that's the cup, then I take the cup. I take the cup. He's got to be our focus. He's got to be our answer. He's, he, he's our present help in time of need, the scripture says. So we've got to make it about him. And here's what I want you to hear this morning. He's here. He's here. He's here to speak. We, we've already sang he's here to heal. He's here to deliver. He's here to, he's here to make possible a breakthrough in your life this morning. He's here. We know him in the form and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We know according to the scripture he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us right now. So he, his presence through that power of his spirit that he sent back and, and covered the earth with. That spirit is here. If you've got a need, if you've got a need, <coughs> and somehow in the middle of all of my rambling, you heard a word from the Lord. If you've got a need and somehow this morning you've heard something from the Lord about maybe the cloud that you, God's making that you're in. Or maybe about the heights and the depths and which one you're in right now. Maybe, maybe you're trying to make it about something it shouldn't be this morning. You just need to come back and surrender that to Christ and say, Lord, this is about you. It's not about me. It's not about people. It's not about hurts or pains. This is about you. If you've got a need and you've heard a word from him this morning, you need prayer, you need help, you need someone to agree with you about that need, whatever it is, here's what I want to do. I want to ask everyone to stand. We're going to do communion at the end, but I want everyone to stand. If you're here this morning, you need prayer. You need a physical touch, I want you to come up. You need a spiritual touch, I want you to come up. We're going to just take the next five minutes and we're going to pray for needs, okay? We're going to pray for needs. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you've got a need, a physical or a spiritual need, I'm telling you, this morning God wants to touch. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. He wants to restore hope and strength. He wants to work. He is desiring to touch and minister to lives this morning. God, we welcome you. We welcome the Spirit of God in this place. We welcome you to minister as only you can. We open our lives and our hearts before you today. We cry out to you, Lord, in a faith and in a belief, God, that you're working in us and that you're going to work through us, God. And that 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 you desire to do, that that you long to do, God, that you'll accomplish in us today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
join me and just extend your hand out in prayer and just agree with us as we pray for the needs here. Look, if you need to be in this altar, come. Don't, don't just stand out and think it's okay. If God's drawing you and calling you, just come. Come. His healing is God of all power. 
life is healed, His healing is here. Healing is here. Healing is here. And I receive it. Oh, I'll reach my hands to the heavens I lift my eyes where my help comes from I look to you my rock my healer I trust in you I reach my hands to the heavens I lift my Look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we just extend our prayer to those who are watching online. Someone out there is in a cloud of your making. They're in a moment where that they sort of come to their senses and it's like they're trying to figure out the next step the next move, the next, the next decision and how to make it and what to do. God, I just speak life into them. I speak hope into them. I, I declare according to your word that you are speaking to them, that they are to listen to you and that they are to, to obey what your spirit is saying to them. God, we claim direction for them right now in the name of Jesus. We declare that there is a place that God is leading them and that they will that if they will choose that path, that you'll show yourself strong and able and mighty, a provider to them, even now. We believe for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God is so good. You're so good, Lord. You're so good, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, y'all, did you move back to your seat? By the way, Linda doesn't have anything contagious. She's faced some stuff that she's fixing to have to deal with, and so just if you want to hug and love on her, she, you ain't going to catch nothing but hugging and loving back from her, okay? Amen. Um, I'm a, you can be seated. I want to ask our ushers to come. We're going to give you a chance to join with us in communion. I know that the scripture tells us to not take it unworthily, but I also know and recognize that um, that's, that's, a, that's a charge to those who are in relationship with Christ and willfully living in sin. So if you're here and you feel like you're not prepared for it, not ready for it, you don't possibly even know Christ, there's a, my word to you is this is a good day to find Jesus. Uh, and that's a simple prayer and a simple uh, belief in him. I say all the time, it's, it's like the ABCs, okay? Just admit you need him. Believe that God raised him from the dead and confess it to someone that you have put your faith in Jesus. Um, as they serve you, I'm going to say a couple of things to you that I want you to just sort of take in about communion, okay? As you get the cup, see this as the cup of life. Because really and truly what we do in taking communion is we take 
the cup as a representative of Christ, of his life. So it was his cup of life. It was his life that made possible our relationship with God now. So as you take the cup, I want to say this about it. Taking the cup's easy. Holding the cup is hard. I'm going to explain that to you. I think what we need to ask ourselves is, what have I been given to drink? What is my cup of life? What, what is my cup of life? What is this thing that's been offered to me that brings about for me and in me this, this, this chance, this moment? See, I'll say this about it, and y'all see me opening mine early here just so that I can get them away from uh, no two lives are the same. We often compare our lives with others trying to decide whether we're better or worse, but comparisons don't help us. We have to live our life, no one else's. We have to drink our cup. We all got a cup. Some of you got some past. It's part of your cup. Some of you got some uncertain future, it's part of your cup. It's your cup, not mine. I'm not saying that in a negative way, it's just, it's, it, it is. Uh, Gethsemane is the place of coming to terms with the will of God. That's what happened. That's why he's agonized emotionally. Lord, if, it, if it's possible, could this cup pass from me? Physically bleeding literal drops of blood through his sweat. At Gethsemane, at Gethsemane, we've got to consider the cost. That's what was happening. Jesus, at, his, at the depths, was considering the cost. He was seeing what it was going to take. And that's sort of something that we can't kid ourselves about. I, I'm not making this a horrible thing, but I want you to hear this. We go to Gethsemane hoping for plan B. We go to the depths thinking maybe it won't be as bad. Maybe this will all work out. But Gethsemane is not about changing the will of God to fit us. Gethsemane is about changing us to fit the will of God. Yeah. Uh, Gethsemane is not the cross. It's not the place that we die. It's the place where we're told we're going to die. It's the place where we get so close to Jesus it don't matter if we die. I mean, uh, it's the place we struggle with ourselves, our selfishness, our wants, our hopes, our dreams, our disappointments. It's where, we, it's where we lose ourselves to find this new person God is making. Not just a new resolve, but a new life. The scripture says we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. A new identity. But I'll say this about Gethsemane. Every Gethsemane leads to a resurrection. Every Gethsemane leads to a resurrection. Because God is not going to leave you in the depths. He gave us the heights so that we could see there is something else. He let Peter, James, and John see Elijah and Moses. Butch, because there's something more than right now. And that's something you stand on every day because you got, you got somebody you're looking forward to seeing again. It's something that we all hold on to and grab hold of 
because we know as low as we get here, it's never going to cause us to lose sight of how high and how great and how mighty God is and how he's promised us an eternity with him. Isaiah 53, 4 through 8 says, But he lifted up our illnesses. He carried our pain even though we thought he was being punished, attacked by God and afflicted for something he had done. He was wounded because of our rebellious deeds, crushed because of our sins. He endured punishment that <coughs> made us whole because of his wounds. We have been healed. We have been healed. All of us have wandered off like sheep. Each of us had strayed off of his own path, but the Lord caused the sin of all of us to attack him. He was treated harshly and afflicted, but he did not even open his mouth. Let a lamb, like a lamb, led to the slaughtering block, like a sheep, silent before her shears. He did not even open his mouth. He was led away after an unjust trial, but who even cared? Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 20. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, look what is new has come. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his pleas through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. You want to you you be able to take the cup and hold the cup. And you want to be able to consider the cost of that cup. And my answer to you is this. It begins by every day accepting him. Accepting him. Accepting his will. Accepting his purpose. Accepting his plan. Accepting him. Before we enjoy the benefits of what he's done, we got to accept him. we got to reckon our old man dead. I trust you've done that. I trust you do it every day. If you haven't or if you need to, you should accept him. Don't wait. Because there was a song we sang about have freedom in it. You want to discover that freedom that the relationship brings, it begins here in the sacrifice of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26 says, For I received from the Lord what he also passed to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you join me? Let's take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Join me and let's take the cup together. Barry, will you pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the body and the blood of Christ over us right now? Jesus, we just thank you for all that you've done for us. Not only just for your, your body and blood that you shed for us on the cross, but also all the benefits that it brings with it. Lord, yes. we are so thankful for your body and your blood yes. and the Holy Spirit, the comforter, 
Lord, that you so, so freely give all the gifts, Lord, and the future hope that we'll rule and reign with you, God, that we, we get your inheritance, God. And Lord, we are just so thankful because you're just so awesome. We don't, haven't earned any of it, Lord. You freely gave it, Lord, and you don't really even ask of anything, Lord, but we just offer our lives as living sacrifices for you, God, that we can spread your light and shine your gospel through this world and through our community and through our families and our children. Lord, and I pray that you would just bless all of us that are here partaking in this. And Lord, just, just bless us as we go throughout the rest of this day. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Stand with me. You have one task before you leave. Turn and give three people a high five and tell them you love them. Happy Memorial Day. <laughs>